everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. Together we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post-game show that almost never happened. If you would have seen the running behind the scenes that it took to get here, well, we're here. Let's move on from that. I think that that was the Winnipeg Jets' most complete game of the season. If we're taking a look at what they did in this game coming off of, you know, some of their other games. I mean, you take a look at their game against the Edmonton Oilers. Again, I made it clear in my last podcast, I thought the Edmonton Oilers were the better team, but the Jets were the less mistake-prone team. They win that game. Some of their games earlier in the year, the Jets were the better team, but they were the more mistake-prone team. That that puts them in a situation where they don't win those games. The game against the uh, uh, Florida Panthers, I think we can probably agree the best version of the Florida Panthers didn't show up until a little bit late in the game, and then the Jets almost lost that one, almost let it slip away. This is one of those games that they were mistake-free. They played the right way. Uh, And if you take a look at the things that the Winnipeg Jets, what is supposed to make the Winnipeg Jets a good team, well, good goaltending, right? Check. You had that from Connor Hellebuck tonight as he puts in his second straight performance in which he was probably the best player on the ice. Uh, He gets the first star. That kind of backs that up. Uh, The other thing the Jets are supposed to be able to do is have a little bit of high-end talent. Well, Kyle Connor scores a a hugely important goal, I thought, uh, to put the Jets up 3-1 in that game, restore the two-goal lead, which ended up being the game winner. And I really do think that the goal that kind of broke the backs of the St. Louis Blues in this game. And then what's the other thing that we've been talking about for so long coming into the season? The depth of the Winnipeg Jets. Well, I don't know what says depth more than the idea that the Winnipeg Jets got three of their four goals from Morgan Barron, from Mason Appleton, and from David Gustafson, who scores for the first time in, I think the broadcast had said it, three years. I mean, talk about timely goals for those players to come up with in this situation. Uh, This is a complete game from beginning to end. I thought the first period, the teams were rather close. I was a little bit surprised. Uh, I've I've taken a look at this Blues team, and yes, I guess the Blues are now 2-2-1. So like the Winnipeg Jets, they are a 500 hockey club. it's not a team I expect to go on to make the playoffs after watching that game tonight. I, I, I continue to not think that the Blues are headed towards the playoffs this season, but I do think they've taken a step since last season. Really good sticks, really uh, you know, hung with the Jets in a lot of points in this game. But you could see the Jets in that second period were just, they had a, a, a level and a gear that the uh, that the St. Louis Blues were not able to achieve, were not able to hang with. And another thing that we'll have to get into, because uh, I know Ken is going to want to talk about this, as he should, but the idea of the Winnipeg Jets pre-scout and how it panned out in this game. Uh, interesting stuff when you're talking about... Rick Bonus not being in this game here. Uh, and, you know, the, the, we should add the Winnipeg Jets. They dedicated that game to Judy Bonus, uh, who's had her health issues that kept Rick off the bench on this night. Um, but if you're thinking that the coaching staff is going to miss a beat without him there, you shouldn't have thought that because we saw what happened last season when he had COVID and Rick Arneal and the rest of the, uh, excuse me, Rick Arneal, Scott Arneal and the rest of the Winnipeg Jets coaching staff, assistant coaches um, were able to get the Jets shot out of a cannon to start last season. Well, they pick up where they left off here with the players giving a nod to uh, the pre-scout that really, really paid off, especially at the beginning of that second period. Interesting stuff out of the Winnipeg Jets tonight, but I continue to, to suggest this Winnipeg Jets team is a team that the entire year, I think, has been playing, you know, mostly a great game, some things to clean up, the things they needed to clean up cost them earlier on. But that to me looks like the kind of game that they need to play against a team like the St. Louis Blues who comes in here, a team I think they are a better team then. And I think that they ground their way out of that game tonight and did all the right things to take a game uh, that, that, uh, that could have been tight, um, especially with a couple of breakaways in that game and, and come away with the victory, an important victory that gets them to 500 on the season. That's my take on that. But we want to get the take of my main man, Kenny Weeb, who's at home ready to do this. So let's bring him in, the man with the best music in the business. Here comes Kenny.
Kenny Russell-Owen says it right here. We're in a wild card spot. The Jets <laughs> slip into the playoffs, and there we go. Isn't it, what is it after Canadian Halloween or Canadian uh, Thanksgiving? Uh, if you're in the wild card spot, it means you make the playoffs. So let's shut it down and get to the playoffs. The Jets are in there. Market, plant the flag. Here we go. Uh, in in the way too early to call the spot news there, but uh, I love it. It's good to see the Jets in that spot there because they were, you know, you were having to go way way down the list to see them not too long ago, but. The Jets starting to come into a spot, put themselves in a good spot, and really, I think, can have eradicated that bad start and put themselves, you know, in a good spot heading forward. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, going into the Oilers game, what the Jets were 30th or 31st in the NHL, and, you know, look look up and two wins later, they're finding themselves in a wild card spot. So the the lucky numbers are U.S. Thanksgiving, and Elliot Friedman also has his own, uh, you know, checklist, which is November 4th, if a team is not within four points of a playoff spot on November 1st. Uh, that is the Kiss of 15% death. chance of making the playoffs. So, wow. Wow. Yes. Well, I mean, the St. Louis Blues are the team that everyone points to now and gets to point to for years of being, well, where they were last placed in the league in the new year uh, and went on to win the Stanley Cup that year and almost caught the Winnipeg Jets in the standings that year as well. So we know we know that doesn't mean anything. And definitely at this stage, we know that what we've seen out of the teams, the teams over the playoff line, below the playoff line, it really is kind of meaningless right now at this stage. But I will say this, it's good to, I mean, there was a lot of people who were thinking, Ken, going into that Oilers game, that there was potential for the Jets to, you know, be one and four. And right. then so a win like tonight makes it so that you're two and four. That doesn't sound that great, right? But the last two games, putting together their most complete games, I think, just kind of really erases the bad start and gets the Jets to a point now where they're like, okay, let's get out there and see what we can do. Yeah, no doubt. And it's super interesting. This uh, this road trip here, this Eastern Conference road trip, it looked like it had the potential to be a bit of a softer spot on the schedule until the Detroit Red Wings decided to jump in the hot tub time machine into the 90s here. I know they lost in overtime today, but uh, they've been scoring at a ridiculous rate. And, you know, the Montreal Canadiens, who we still think are openly tanking, uh, don't seem to want to lose hockey games in the last little bit here. So uh, it'll be an interesting road trip coming up. But, Sean, you're right. I mean, instead of one and four or two and four, uh, the Jets are suddenly three and three and feeling better about themselves. So it's certainly an interesting time for the Jets here. And yeah, it, it, it's so, things can change so quickly, right? We, our biggest concern was, you know, you know, they were giving up a ton of goals. Now the last two games, they've given up two goals in each game. And, you know, they were lowering the shots, but now today's shots were only 20 shots on net, but they did give a couple of odd man rushes. But for the most part, Sean, I agree with you. I thought that the Jets defending was really good. They didn't give up a ton of glorious chances. And the Blues are a team that are going to be hard to figure out. I thought Jordan Bennington was excellent in the first period, especially. Oh, yeah. Um, and the scouting report going into the game was that the Blues get outshot almost every single night, and that definitely held true, but it was a one-goal game. I mean, even though the Blues had not scored a power play goal in their first 12 chances this year, they get one on a beautiful redirection from Pavel Bushnevich, and you look up and you think the Jets have had complete control, and yet it's a 2-1 game, so... Uh, and then even two, you, it's 3-1, and then all of a sudden it's 3-2 after a crazy bounce, and you know then the Jets find a way to get the job done. But yeah, I mean, we should start with Judy Bonus. I mean, good news that yeah. she's home recovering, and uh, obviously we know that uh, you know Rick Bonus and his entire family is beloved around the NHL, not just in this city and province, but uh, around the league. And it was a s scary time for the family uh, with, the, with the seizure that Judy suffered and being hospitalized. But uh, sounds like things are, you know, stabilizing. And then that's good news for, for all parties. But uh, as you mentioned, I mean, Scott O'Neill has been an NHL head coach and been an associate and assistant coach at a high level for a long, long time. So yeah, uh, they have a game plan and, you know, they were able to execute it pretty well. And as Mason Appleton said, with quite a bit of passion, I mean, that they're thinking about the bonus family and they don't want to let 
wreck down basically so um yeah i mean let's dig into the game though i mean it was pretty tidy overall but uh yeah i mean the jets <laughs> instead of you know asking a lot of questions we're starting to get some answers i think sean is how i would put it yeah yeah i i, I can agree with that i, th- I think like i'd said that the jets are we're getting a good look at who they are, how they play their game. One of the things that I thought that really stood out in that game was the way that they defended their blue line. Like there was just no clean zone entries for for the St. Louis Blues. At every point, they were challenged at the blue line. You could see they kind of figured it out at the beginning. Uh, the Robert Thomas Kyrou line, along with Brandon Sod. Um, they seemed to get a little bit of attraction at first, and then all of a sudden they just couldn't get across the blue line. And if they did, they were fumbling with the puck. They were getting pressed. Uh, you're seeing that pressure style of game really worked. And I thought that it was a little bit less. Like, usually the Jets are kind of pouncing on a team as they're trying to leave the zone, but they really seem to just tie up the neutral zone tonight. And it really... You know, we'll get into we'll get into the idea of the coaching battle in this one because I actually thought it was a fascinating coaching battle. But I I just thought the Jets came with a good game plan. I think the Blues were expecting them to really press in the offensive zone, and then all of a sudden everything was neutral zone. And I just don't think that they figured it out at any point during the game. And I I like the Blues figured out how to how to take on the Jets defensive system and I thought that the Jets got stronger and stronger as the game went on in regards to finding a way to solve and create opportunities out of that blues system and that comes right down to, to the coaches and what they did we'll jump into that I just want to say uh yeah I'm gonna run with the theme of the uh the wake up of the game uh brought to you by pristine roofing <laughs> brought to you by Kenny Weeb of course I'm gonna steal Kenny's wake up and the wake up I think we have to hand out to our main man, North End Rick, because North End Rick, it's official now. He had thought that the Jets were going to go two and eight to start the season. For a while, he was kind of boasting. He said he thought it was going to be one and four, and he basically thought he was halfway there if that happened, right? If you're one and four, you're on track to be turning eight. Two and eight didn't happen for North End Rick once again. Two years. I, I think North End Rick is a nihilist. I think that he just doesn't believe in anything. And he's, you know, it, it's just that maybe there's a little bit of dourness there when it comes to his fandom because we know he's a Jets fan, but I think he's one of those guys who like expects the worst but hopes for the best. He was expecting a two and eight start. That is not happening. So you're you're there he is. He there he is. Next best thing to two and eight is three and seven. I'm gonna throw Rick up there though because Rick, one thing, hey, he may not be good at picking the record of the Winnipeg Jets, especially in the first ten games of the season, but what he's really good at is coming over to your place and telling you the things that you need to do to tie up that home, your exteriors, the roofing, the siding, all the different kind of things because he represents pristine roofing. And Rick says, hop on the phone, give him a call at any time, 1-204-981-6289. He's the guy who will show up and give you bad hockey takes and absolutely phenomenal service for for Pristine Roofing. If you don't want to go through the bad takes, well, you can always call Pristine Roofing at 1-204-237-7663. But either way, make sure you tell them that Kenny and Rennie sent you. And Ken, you're looking like a million bucks again Probably have the polar bear feet slippers on underneath there. I tried to get home and get comfy. Didn't work out. You know me. I'm not the most, uh, uh, I'm a little bit of a forgettable guy. And I forgot the car keys way up where I could not get them. So that's why you're seeing me in this lovely environment. I love being here. But uh, both of us dressed to the nines, whether we're at home or here, uh, because we go to Frankie and the boys at Victoria Ross. You got to say, give a shout out to Craig Zamzow, who -hmm. went over and got service at Victoria Ross. He updated the wardrobe went in there uh they know craig well from the times he's been there in the past he did what all y'all should be doing out there if you want to look like kenny and rennie and that's head on down to cordon avenue go into vittorio rossi proclaim loud proclaim loudly kenny and rennie sent you ask for frankie and the boys and they will take care of you and you will walk out of there looking like a million bucks ken Let's get into what was happening with the coaching system. I thought Mason Appleton was extremely revealing on why the Jets got the first two goals that they got in that second period and how those goals came to be. 
Yeah, I think they they did a really good job of you know going low to not <clears throat> low to the high slot on both of those plays. Obviously, uh, with the center release system, I think is how Mason Appleton was was describing it. Um, wasn't you know some teams play man on man, some play you know a combination or a hybrid of man on man. Um, that's just a joke, Sean. That's a joke. That's the Bennington. Do I look nervous? I think yeah, he's just uh, I making a, make it a crack there. I know. Um, yeah. So the Jets did find a nice seam in the high slot for consecutive one timers, and it's so rare, Sean, to see that happen <laughs> in a game, right? I mean, that was the uh, the old. You know, I mean, that's a classic Dennis Bayak bang bang right there. I think thirteen yeah. seconds apart. I mean, the first one is I wouldn't call it a broken play. But it's a little bit more disjointed because David Gustafson is coming onto the ice after the line change by Nikolai Ehlers, whereas on the next goal by Mason Appleton, they definitely found a soft spot in the in the seam uh, for his one timer on the opposite side. So yeah, I thought it was very interesting how they described it was some, you know because you had asked Mason uh, point blank if that was a first period adjustment, he said no. It was something that they had looked at in the pre scout in terms of where they might be able to generate some offense and uh, Scott O'Neill explaining you know if you're trying to go a little bit more of a down low cycle those plays get broken up or or the plays get killed because they're able to, you know, attack a little bit more down low. And uh, in this way, the puck movement was just really crisp for the Jets. And it's interesting when you can find, you know, a couple of, you know, you're looking for advantages and the Jets found them in this game, basically with, with the systemic play. Yeah, well, I mean, this is the interesting part about this. And I touched on it earlier on, but we'll get into the details of the Rick bonus you know, that there was every reason for this coaching staff to be distracted with what was happening with Judy Bonus. And let me add my voice to the chorus of voices that say, um, you know, this is a beloved hockey family across the entire NHL. Um, and so I can tell you right now, Ken, uh, you know, I do a lot of dealings with people out of Toronto uh, mm-hmm. because of my job. And I got a whole, whole bunch of texts from people out of Toronto, you know, asking to pass on you know, all the well wishes and everything like that. Uh, um, Every reason for this coaching staff to be a little bit distracted here heading into this game. And instead they basically go out and find the blueprint to to offensively. Like this is, this is the great example of adapting your offense to kind of fit what this team does. So, if you take a look at what Mark Shifley usually does in a game like this and Kyle Connor, they love to work the boards, right? And we didn't see a lot of that from the Jets tonight. So there, there could be a little bit of a look at this that, that, that people would see and be like, you know, the Winnipeg Jets offense wasn't quite on what we expect it to be. Right. And yet, in, in essence, what happens is the Blues love to overload the boards and not give that up. So the Jets went to where the Blues weren't. Uh, and that, that was a smart thing to do here tonight. And the one thing that it did was it created a scenario by which it opened up the offense to more than just, you know, the, the, the big shooters on the Winnipeg Jets, right? This comes out and it creates a scenario by which David Gustafson can find himself room in, in the exact spot that David Gustafson can find a way to score from, right? Like Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor, these are the kind of players who can score from everywhere. Um, it takes a little bit more for players like that. And sure enough, Mason Appleton scores a very similar goal to David Gustafson right afterwards. And that's, that's a good scouting ploy because basically the Jets score twice before the St. Louis Blues even really know what they're doing wrong. They don't have time to correct what they've done wrong, right? Because the Jets come out and they score, it was like in the neighborhood, Ken, of 20 seconds after the first goal. So the Jets found a weakness in the Blues system. They found it before the game started. They worked on it throughout the first period, opened it up in the second period, score a goal. And before there's really time for the coaches to say, okay, we need to adjust and we can't do this. Well, the next line's already out on the ice and they haven't been able to get that treatment from their head coach. And boom, the puck is in the net again, 2 nothing. And really, I just think, I thought it was a pretty darn close game before before that, Ken. Like, I know the Jets outshot the Blues in the first period. I thought the Blues actually had the better quality chances in the first period. So I thought it was basically a sawed-off even game. And then all of a sudden, bang, bang, the old Dennis Bayek 
And suddenly the face of that game just entirely changes and the Blues are put into a little bit tougher of a spot. The Jets are able to press that much more because now they don't just have a lead. They've got a two-goal lead, right? Oh, positive Mall's back. Who, who, who got a hold and chatted with me behind the scenes? I appreciate that, Maul. That was, that was good. But uh, um, I just think that... Uh, that, that was something that Mason Appleton talked about is the mindset of this team. And people may remember if they tune into uh, Rick Bonus's um, uh, pressers, he talks about the Jets and how you saw this uh, in the game against the Edmonton Oilers. They go down 2 nothing, but Josh Morrissey comes out quickly and he gets a goal back, right? So all of a sudden, instead of being down 2 nothing and problematic, boom, Josh Morrissey goes out, gets a goal, and now it's just a one-goal game. It's a manageable game, right? You don't have to push too hard. You don't have to feel like you need to fall out of your structure in chasing the game. Important to score a goal at that time, and it really kind of kills whatever momentum Edmonton was building up at that time. Well, Rick Bonus is really big on, if we get scored on, it's important to go out and own the next shift. So if you're, and, and a lot of times, the line that will go out there and do that, Ken, is Adam Lowry's line. Right. So if Rick Bonus feels like the Jets are losing the momentum battle, he'll throw out Adam Lowry's line. They'll go out and they'll grind and they'll try and take that back. And if they score a goal. Well, that's so much better. Right. But it doesn't end there. Rick Bonus is really, really big on the Jets. If we score a goal as well, now it's time the blood's in the water. So if you can hop out and score again, it entirely changes the face of the game, which we saw here tonight. And so you've got that exact same mindset. And once again, which line is it, Ken, that gets thrown out in that situation? It's not It's not the Jets score and it's Cole Perfetti getting the puck to David Gustafson. And now let's find a way to get Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor out there to try and pile on. No, once again, it's Adam Lowry's line because I think that it's easy to say that. And every team in the league, I'm sure, would like to go score a goal and then score another goal or get scored on and go get that back. I, I do think that in that facet, the Adam Lowry line is a little bit of a secret weapon, right? Because one thing that you know is Rick Bonus has got those players bought into the idea that we score a goal, you're not just sitting back. You're not taking it easy. You're going out and you're going at that other team in that moment. Same deal if you just got scored on. It's time to go out and punch them in the mouth. And I really do think... It's a smart idea by Rick Bonus to have that secret weapon and to kind of get your team into that mindset because I think tonight's game is a game they win because they're able to go out and capture that momentum and follow up on it immediately. And it's the reason they got back into and ended up winning that Edmonton Oilers game because they snuffed out whatever momentum the Oilers had built up going in that first period. And it happened earlier in the season as well in another game. I can't remember the instance of it. But if the Winnipeg Jets can be that team that quickly pile on two goals or quickly snuff out the momentum of that other team, that's a secret weapon that really keeps you in games or puts you ahead in games that makes it tough for you to, to be beat. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, the good news for the Jets is that they're not just reliant on one line. I mean, you talked about the depth in the open a little bit. I mean, it's an important game for the depth again because the Jets aren't just relying on their top scorers. Now, having said that, Kyle Connor gets what ends up being the game-winning goal uh, on an absolute snipe show where he sells pass and Jordan Binnington freezes and he ripped it <laughs> high blocker, right? I mean, that was a... Uh, it was a Kyle Connor special, and that was a game where you know the Jets get an odd man rush and then convert. But uh, I agree with you. I mean, I thought that the check, you know, the Lowry line did a lot of great work during the game, and maybe you know it was only a couple shifts, but it was interesting that Morgan Barron kind of went up with that line for a while, and then Nino you know, Niederreiter took one shift, I think, with the fourth line, and then they kind of went back to where they were, but. They're getting a lot out of everyone right now, especially up front. And, you know, in a game like this where the St. Louis Blues really want to kind of grind their opponent down, uh, Sean, I think they're kind of, they're sort of getting back to their identity also. Maybe they're not quite as physical as the 2019 team. I don't think they are as physical, but they're trying to kind of play the game in the hard areas and, you know, make the other team really work through the neutral zone, as you touched on earlier. Yeah. Um, And... I mean, I think one of the biggest differences they they don't have the same defense core. I mean, they have they have some good defensemen. There's no doubt. Justin Falk, really good defenseman. Tori Krug, you know, Stanley Cup champion. Everything else, but you know, it's not the same core 
that was led by Alex Petrangelo, you know, with all due respect to them. So uh, I think the Jets played very well. They didn't get frustrated by kind of playing in the mud a little bit. And then they kind of got their, you know, the grind game going themselves. And, you know, they used their skill also. So I, I think there were a lot of positives on a lot of fronts for the Jets. And, yeah, in terms of complete, I, w- I would say that, yeah, they, they limited the mistakes. And, and that's that's an important thing um, when it comes to the, the team had been you know, making, you know, the kind of errors that were ending up in the back of the net. So this time they limited the mistakes and none of them were really costly. And, you know, another game where, you know, all we talked about for the first four games, because it was a fact, they were giving up four or more in every game. And now they've had two games in a row where they've only given up two goals. And I mean, you can say whatever you want about whatever opponent, but I mean, (laughs) they only gave up two against the Oilers also. And yes, the Oilers are struggling, but um, hey, if a team has consecutive games where they only give up two goals that's good news for the team because it means they're buckling down a little bit so and it's good news for Hellebuck because as we mentioned earlier early in the year stats can get easily skewed and now you know suddenly Hellebuck's you know chipping away at the old save percentage and the goals against is becoming a lot more reasonable so you know as we said at the beginning don't worry about Hellebuck he will get going and he has got himself going well, he's the guy who so often has the Winnipeg Jets covered, uh, and that's, uh, I mean, that makes sense the way that uh, the the way that he's been playing so far. And, I mean, might as well, if I'm saying that, give a shout-out to the Kenny and Rennie OGs, the Johnston group, who uh, uh, I, I think he's a good candidate for. Ken, do you have a play that you'd specifically have for the We've Got You Covered play of the game? Yeah, actually, I kind of like uh, Lynette. Reimer's suggestion of going with the coaching staff here and allowing Rick Bonus to uh, you know be Great. at home uh, with with Judy and you know allow them to kind of work on the health and family and we they talk about the family atmosphere all the time here so uh, I think in this case uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop that on the coach and the entire coaching staff uh, led by Scott O'Neill as the Jets uh, were able to get this victory this evening. Uh, but Hellebuck, um, very good honorable mention as he's, you know, shaved that goals against suddenly down to 338 and the save percentage rising up to 881. So uh, certainly still not Hellebuck-like, but working their way up. So I'd say that's uh, those are those are good news kind of situations, which the Johnson group, a lot of good news happening there. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, great pick. The coaching staff having Rick Bonus covered and the players having them covered as well. Uh, perfect, perfect representation of the we've got you covered play of the game by the Johnston Group, the Kenny and Rennie OGs. And do you run a small business in Canada? Look to Canada's number one employee benefits plan, Chambers Plan, to give you a competitive edge. Chambers Plan is the simple, stable, smart choice for over 30,000 businesses countrywide. Visit chamberplan.ca to learn more. And I want to talk a little bit more about Connor Hellebuck. I would say you could take uh, uh, his performance to the bank, uh, but that wouldn't fit with our folks at Cambrian Credit Union because they're not a bank. They're the credit union uh, and they make a difference uh, out there. Uh, That's why the two of you, uh, excuse me, the two of us go to them. We both have our mortgages with them. My family, uh, right from my father-in-law down to my two kids, have uh, accounts with them at the credit union. And uh, I mean, geez, talking about having people covered, credit union has always had uh, the community covered so much in sponsorship, so much in donations and so much just in good quality uh, representation for the people um, who do, do their banking with Cambria and the, the two of us being uh, two of those people can. So uh, get big shout out to them. I just want to get back to Hellebuck. What do you think kind of clicked for him? Because I, I take a look at that Edmonton Oilers game and I know I was seeing it online and I agreed with it. That second goal, he really kind of looked like he was out of it. And then all of a sudden he's just locked into the big and Borg. And I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't think of two better examples than the two Jordan Cairo breakaways on this night. And I mean, what is that? That's four breakaways in the last, last two, two games, games that he stopped and never mind stopped has made it look like they didn't have a chance of going in. Like it, it was basically like he was just saying, bring the puck to me and just put it right here in front of me. And I'm going to stop it. Like it's nothing. Um, are, are you seeing something that kind of turned in his game to have him responding the way he's responding? 
Yeah, just a little bit quieter. I mean, I don't profess to be a goalie expert like our pal Kevin Woodley, but I just think he looks quieter in the game. And as you mentioned, I mean, it's a great example. He just over-pursued on the goal by Evan Bouchard. I mean, he it, there was actually a, a slight, I would say there was an under-pursuit today on the on the Cairo chance that went off the pad to Brandon Saad. But Hellebuck, even though there was, I thought, almost three-quarters of the net open, he still made a really, really, really good save on Brandon Saad. At first, I thought it might have been wide, but Hellebuck really found a way to get his pad on it. Um, so I feel like, though know, that's not a great example, but I would say that overall, I really, he's very square to the puck. He's, he's fighting through traffic. I mean, the Blues tried to do a good job of getting to the front of the net, but uh, I thought that Hellebuck really stood tall throughout the, throughout the course of the game. And uh, when he is locked in that way, he's really tough to, <laughs> he's tough to score on. I mean, there, there's no other way to put it. Uh, it was a perfect redirection that broke up the shutout bid on the power play. And, you know, the second one is kind of just more kind of bad luck, I would say, on that one, right? I mean, goes off oh, yeah. right right to him. I mean, that's yeah. just, uh, you know, really not much they can do there. That's just a lucky, an unlucky bounce for the Jets, a lucky bounce for the Blues. But, uh, you know, Rick Bonus told us last week that, you know, Lauren Brassois would get another game. And I have to imagine that game is Saturday night where you and I will be I at the Bell so. Center. Yeah. Um, I would imagine, you know, Connor Hellebuck, a Michigan guy, he's going to have a lot of friends and family in attendance. He usually does. And I just think that he is, uh, you know, I'm not sure. He, Connor's not the kind of guy who puts extra pressure on himself. So I don't think that's why the start was a little bit, you know, uneven, if you will. But I just think that he's a guy who, you know, he he used the word belief a ton when it came to um, his contract extension. But this guy never, he is an unwavering belief. He spent a little bit of time with uh, Rick, with Wade Flaherty in between starts and, you know, got kind of back up into the u- usual Connor Hellebuck uh, type of style, if you will. And, you know, it's led to positive results for both himself and, and for the Jets as a team. And, Hey, you got to you got to get time for we've talked about this, you know, locked in or not. I agreed with you totally. I know you were on with Huss earlier in the week and you said you have to play Hellebuck today. Absolutely. After that game at Edmonton, he had to play again today. To have a lower volume shot game was really important also for Hellebuck after being a little busier with the 40 shots on Saturday. Uh, I think that the game with Detroit is going to be super fun. Alex DeBrinket playing out of his mind right now, and that's a fun team, yeah. to, you know, fun team for teams to play against. They play a little bit more of their back to the kind of up, up tempo style under Derek Lalonde, and I think Hellebuck will be jazzed to play in his home home state after signing a big ticket deal. And, you know, then Bressois will have an exciting Saturday night. And then, you know, next week, Bressois is probably going to play again, either against uh, Arizona or St. Louis in the return match, I would say. So, um, you know, that's going to get to a place where it's, you know, 57-ish starts for Hellebuck, maybe 25 or, you know, somewhere in the 25 to 27 range for Bressois, I think is a good, uh, good number. And we'll see how that we will continue to track that for sure. Yeah, I'm just going to uh, go here because I want to talk just briefly about Connor Hellebuck. Um, and, and I wanted to kind of throw out, for me, the two Cairo, uh, the, the first one more so than the second one, oh, to yeah. me, is the keg save of the game. Uh, you should all share your keg save of the game, everyone out there, because uh, if you do, you automatically are entered to win a $50 gift certificate. We give away one every single show this year, $50. Very generous for the keg to uh, chip that in, uh, and uh, and listen. Other than uh, other than those Hellebuck saves, the best save every night is the keg save of the game. Uh, and I'll announce who got it. It's James Anerson who walks away with the keg save of the game. I believe he's often in the show, watching the show. I don't think I've seen him here, uh, and I don't think he was in live in the last show, but he left a comment on the YouTube page below. Uh, he went into the raffle and walks away with a $50 gift certificate, gift card to the keg if, if he gets a hold of me before the Jets' <laughs> next game. That's the rules. You got to jump in there. Everyone has done it so far. Everyone's done a good job cleaning. Just like if you go to the keg, you're going to clean your plate. Ken, I get caught licking the plate sometime. I like it so much <laughs> so do there. I. But uh, everyone's cleaned up their gift cards for um, for the keg. James Anderson is the next guy. Make sure you do that, which kind of brings us to the lamp lighter. 
where people haven't necessarily been cleaning their plates on this one because That's for true. the second time already this season, we are giving away a 16-pack of Lampies, the Nectar of the Gods, because the last one went unclaimed. Ooh, uh, and we have a winner of the 16-pack. I'll announce that after you can share with me your lamplighter of the game. What do you got? Oh, get yourself a seat on the Gus bus, Sean. Uh, it was nearly four years between NHL regular season game goals. I was there for his first NHL goal where he danced around Eric Carlson in the neutral zone and ripped home a shot uh, from just inside the blue line. And today it was absolute bar down special um, for David Gustafson. Really great, really slick feed by Cole Perfetti. Uh, eyes in the back of your head special uh, with the backhand pass and just a absolutely rip city one-timer uh, for Gustafson and he had you know three shots I think in the second period really uh, getting himself going taking on that uh, you know shooters mentality that we've often heard Nikolai Ethers uh, discuss and you know just Sean you were in the scrum like David could not have like, for a guy who stayed pretty composed, the guy legit could not have been happier, right? I mean, oh God, this yeah. is a guy who waited Imagine almost how that four, would feel. almost yeah. four years, man. I mean, like it was, it was just a thing of beauty. And to think of you know Rick's honesty, and then talking with David Gustafson about Rick's honesty on that, like imagine that phone call. You think you finally made it, you know, a couple injuries and maybe holding you back, and 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 your coach says, David, I hope you're having a great summer. By the way, when you come to camp, you better you better get yeah. some, you better score, yeah. or you're not going to be on the team. Essentially, uh, I know it was probably a little bit more uh, massaged message than that, but. Um, just really good job of, you know, changed his training, got himself going and really looks like he's, uh, he's playing a much more confident game. Uh, last year there was so much more chip and chase. Um, you know, you just don't want to get scored on. I mean, and now he's gone from treading water to wanting, you know, getting to be in, you know, try to become an impact, impact, more impactful player. Obviously his role is still limited, but you know, killing penalties, Scott O'Neill said it perfectly. This is a guy who started the year as the 13th forward. And you would never have known based on how hard he was working in practice and all those other things. And Sean, it's tough to stay confident when you're a healthy scratch, right? I mean, that, that there's oh, yeah. just no way around that. So you're talking to a guy who knows a little <laughs> something about it. Oh, so do I. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So, Hey, you know, you have to tip your cap. That's a, that's a major stick tap to David Gustafson. Uh, the only qualm that I have with David Gustafson is he's blown a massive opportunity. His goal song should be bus rider by the guess who like come on <laughs> honestly i know he's a little bit too young for it but could you imagine i mean that that's it, it would be perfect it would be absolutely I, perfect i mean do you think he knows about the gus no. bus line yeah oh he definitely knows about the gus bus i just don't think he knows about the line from the song i'm pretty sure it's because ken walks into the ken walks into the jets room every day and he's like gus bus every time he's like he's oh, his yeah. hype machine he's his oh, hype yeah. machine there you go Hey, there's so much happening here. Uh, I gotta. I want to share my lamplighter. I do know someone just jumped in here. Uh, Hunter Lamenda said, "Hey, saw you after the game, Rennie. Love your show, man. Really appreciate that, Hunter. Hunter, awesome. Uh, caught my attention. Came over, shook my hand. Uh, this is the kind of stuff that, like, if you see us out, uh, it actually happened a couple times. I was out with Miss Mrs. Rennie for lunch, and a couple of people stopped and said hi." Do that. Anytime you see Ken and I, uh, if you want to come over, if you want to talk podcast, we love doing Don't that. Don't be shy. Really appreciate this, Hunter. Thanks for coming over saying that. It means the world to us uh, when people appreciate and decide to spend time with us. So thank you very much for doing that. Uh, just going to, before I do my thing, uh, the hashtags, people. Hashtag Lamplighter. Hashtag the keg when you're saving or when you're sharing your uh, the keg save of the game. And uh, your lamp lighter, uh, we got to get to that because soon enough, we're not going to accept your entries unless you do do that. So people get on the hashtag train and I'm going to give it to Kyle Connor, A, because it's a gorgeous goal. But B, it brings me to my next point and I don't want to get too deep into Well, here, I'm just going to say that's my goal. That's my lamp lighter on the night. I'm going to explain 
after I say, if you want uh, to uh, share with us your lamplighter, well, you should, because as soon as you do, you're automatically entered to win an eight-pack of frosty, delicious lamplighter amber ale brought to you by our friends at Trans Trans Canada Brewing Company. Uh, If you can't wait for Kenny and Rennie to send you your own uh, free eight-pack of of lamplighter amber ale, head on down to the Trans Canada Brewing Company. Join them in the tap room at 11290 Keniston, where they've got all the good stuff, the nectar of the gods. They've got the blueberry beer. They got great IPAs. They've got great everything. Uh, the pizza is amazing. Someone wrote in here before, um, or no, it was a comment from the last show that Trans Canada or Brewing Company has the best pizza they've ever had before. I'm right there with that. Good stuff. Share it with us so that you can join in uh, to the fun, everybody. And that means it is time for me to announce the winner of the not the eight-pack of Frosty Delicious Lamplighter Amber Ale, brought to you by our friends at Transcanner Brewing Company, but a 16-pack. And that goes to Dan the Jets fan. Dan the Jets fan, I haven't seen you in the chat room yet so far. You are now on the clock. You better get a hold of Rennie before the next game, because if you don't, it's going to turn into us giving away a 2-4 of Frosty Delicious Lamplighter Ale. Ale brought to you by our friends at Transcanner Brewing Company. So you know what to do. Get a hold of me. Send me your full name. Send me your uh, email address. And if you do that, you will be the proud owner of a 16-pack of Frosty Delicious Lamplighter Amber Ale brought to you by our friends at Transcanner Brewing Company. Okay, I want to get back to that goal. The reason why, A, yes, it's like Kyle Connor absolutely rips that shot. It's gorgeous. He waits out the player who's sliding across. He looks over like he's trying to make the pass, which is why that player lays out, tries to block the pass. He's not trying to block the shot. But it's almost pedestrian by this point. Kyle Connor has got such a good shot that when he does that, we're not amazed. Like, Ken, if someone shoots that shot at pickup <laughs> hockey where we are, everyone's jaws drop, they take off their helmets, they go to the dressing room, and they just give up, right? Because that is it, that that's not human what he does there. But he does it so often, that's just what we do. But th- what I thought was really, really good about that and overall good for the team it's a setup by Nate Schmidt, but it's not the setup. This pass is fairly pedestrian as well, but it's pedestrian because everything is wide open because that's a play in which the Blues player has the puck and goes to chip it out of the zone, and everyone is expecting the puck to get out of the zone, and it should, and it doesn't because of a very subtle, nice play by Nate Schmidt who who fakes like he's going after the player to kind of take the hit and because of that, the player doesn't chip the puck out as hard as he usually would because he doesn't think he needs to. But before he goes in for the hit, Schmidt turns, gets his back position so that the player can't go by him and makes it look like he's already going down to head for the puck. And the chip comes through and it's not as hard as it should be. And not only does Nate Schmidt stop the puck, keep it in the zone, but he pulls it immediately off the boards and gets the puck over to Kyle Connor, which creates all the chaos that happens in that point. Yes, it's a phenomenal goal by Kyle Connor to score the way that he scores, like he's so capable of doing. But the reason the chaos is created is because of a super slick, super smooth play by Nate Schmidt. And the reason I think that is so important, not because Nate Schmidt we know can't do that, but because Nate Schmidt has had a tough start to the season. He got scratched, which you know for a player in his position with the contract that he has is not something guys like to sit back and kind of, it doesn't sit well with guys like that, right? It does not sit well. And so how a guy bounces back from that means everything. Nate Schmidt gets pulled out of the lineup. He doesn't pout. He doesn't sulk. He shows up in the room. He's there to talk to the reporters and answer questions. When he comes back in, he doesn't shy away of what's happened to him. He doesn't get pouty. He doesn't take it out on his teammates. He doesn't take it out on the media. He handles it with true class. And I think he's kind of worked his way out of this situation, putting himself in a position where he's getting trusted by his coaches. And to me, that's just another example of him handling his scratch the right way and coming out of it the right way. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, nice segue as I'm going to be writing about Nate Schmidt on the off day. I had another, I mean, I had a good talk with him the week before, but that was before the scratch. So before I wrote the story, I felt like I had to 
speak with them about it. And I need to get those words into print. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was, you're 100% right. I mean, he has handled it well. And I think his game is elevated. I know someone in the chat room didn't agree, but uh, I think Nate has played well in the last two games. And as you mentioned, that was a high-end play that he made to set up. That goal doesn't happen without the play by Schmidt. There's no doubt about it. And yeah, I mean, you can play in the league for 600 games as an undrafted college free agent, but you know, doesn't matter what level you're playing at, uh, especially at the NHL level. Still, nobody likes to be scratched. And but there are two. You can handle it one of two ways. You can feel sorry for yourself, or you can go out and do the work and and raise your standard. And that's what Nate Schmidt has done the last couple of games here. Um, okay, I want you to give Sweet Lou a shout out before we move on. Already been some Louisms in there, and I just got to say one thing here, Ken. When I'm talking, it's hard for me to manage the, the chat room, uh, so I miss some stuff. So when I go in and I check all the comments after on uh, uh, afterwards for the, the keg save of the game and the lamplighter, I hit a lot of comments that uh, that I, I sometimes don't see in the show. And A, I love seeing the burns that I missed. I got a whole bunch of like the spark plug guff talk and the elitist Rennie and his rusty truck. I hadn't seen it so live, so that was great. Good the other stuff I love is the Lewisms, and there have been some awesome Lewisms. I just love how that's built. Let me quickly tell the story, Ken. I think everyone will like this. A lot of people were at the year-ender. Um, I don't think Lou was aware of the Lewisms and kind of like the Chuck Norris style character that he's become within the show. Um, it's one of my favorite things that has just happened so organically, uh, the, the Lewism. So keep them coming, everybody. And Ken, give Sweet Lou a shout out while you're at it. Yeah, for folks who have realty needs they'd like to have met, uh, whether you're buying, whether you're selling, uh, whether you're curious what the house on the corner might be going for, if you're considering a move, uh, you can contact our good friend Lou Ferlin at Real LePage Dynamic Realty. Uh, you could reach him at, uh, let's get that up there, Sean, I need the, I need the back. Yeah, I can get it. Keep doing, keep doing your thing. I got it. Keep going. Yeah, I need the number. There we go. Oh, okay. There we go. <laughs> 204-791-9971, or you can reach him at the office, 204-989-5000. His email is lou at louferlin.ca. That's L-O-U at L-O-U-F-U-R-L-A-N.ca. Lou Ferlin, excellent realtor, excellent human being, and excellent supporter of the community, including this podcast. And for that, we are eternally grateful. I guess some of us don't have these things off by heart. I can tell you Lou would be able to recite that and every word we've said on this podcast back to you because that's Lou. He's there's There ain't nothing Lou can't do. I'll tell you that much. Um, Appleton bounce back. I thought while we're talking about Nate Schmidt's bounce back, I thought maybe we should be talking about Appleton because I think that, you know, he, again, I thought he took like not the best penalty that last game. I thought he didn't necessarily have the best game after coming off that top line where I thought he, you know, he didn't look, he, he did, I don't know. He didn't look out of place, but he didn't look in place either on that first line, uh, if that makes any sense. Like, he definitely didn't look like he brought a lot of juice to that first line. But coming out here tonight after getting demoted from your opportunity with the first line, again, that's something that a player could kind of take a look at that and be like, oh, that's a reason to kind of pout or maybe be a little upset or get down on yourself. Instead, he comes out and gets the goal, which I really do think turned the game in the favor of the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, important game for him for sure. Uh, two goals, six shot attempt, or two shots on goal, six shot attempts. I mean, we talked about Mason Appleton. I mean, he has competition. Uh, we know that Rick Bonus enjoys playing him with Adam Lowry, but he has competition now, right? I mean, that's these are the facts. The Jets are a deeper team, and Mason Appleton needed to produce a little bit more offense this year, and he is off to a good start on that front. We know that the injury kind of disrupted his play. Um, over the course of last year and kind of it kind of disrupted his offensive rhythm Uh, but he's a guy that has the potential to be a double digit goal scorer and now he's off to a good start feeling confident about things and uh, you're right I mean it would be it's easy after you get a promotion to the top line to think oh well what am I doing back on the third line well that's where you're most comfortable for it so then you play the game that you're most comfortable playing and you know that's really shown uh, for him and you know it didn't matter if it was you know Nino Niederreiter or Morgan Barron I thought that that line was was did a really nice job and you know Adam Lowry had a great chance on the on the shorthanded breakaway went five hole went to the went to the money move and Jordan Bennington just closed up that five hole uh, before it could squeeze through but 
I, I liked Appleton's game uh, for sure. I thought he was moving his legs well. Uh, did a nice job on the PK, but I thought that that line five on five really did a good job. Uh, you know, different different lines matched up at different times during the game, but they were up against the Shen line a bit, and you know, also against Thomas on occasion. But I thought they did a really good job uh, overall, and Appleton doing a nice job offensively as well as the defense that he can provide for sure. Well, I, I think it just kind of adds to the whole idea of the Jets and their depth here tonight. So it's a conversation we've had before, and I've said this before. I, you know, I challenge the idea of the Jets being this really deep team, right? The idea that, uh, you know, you, you take out Wheeler, you take out PLD, and you add in Kapari and um, uh, Ayafalo and Gabe Velarde, and does that really put you over the top? I mean, here, I, a lot of these are characters that we've known for a lot of years, right? Like, you've been on the Gus bus for a long time. He comes through tonight. Appleton is a guy who's been around 2015 draft pick, right? He's been in the organization for a really long time. Um, you know, I thought you, you got to throw a guy like Cole Perfetti in there for talking about kind of bounce back games because you and I had the conversation in the last podcast about the idea of him kind of like earning the trust back that I feel like he lost uh, in that LA Kings game. And, and uh, you know, I think, I think them kind of slowly bringing him back from his experiment at center, which I, you know, I think if the uh, coaches were being honest, I don't think they, that they thought that that went well at all for Cole Perfetti. I think they thought he got targeted and spent a lot of his time just, you know, dealing with the extracurriculars, not being able to kind of do it. He does it. Well, and I, I think what he does well is just kind of getting lost in things, right? Like when you see him ready to make a play, suddenly it's just the puck comes to him and he's all wide open. And and boy, someone was talking online about him having this great vision. And it is, right? Like the funny thing about that is there's something about the way that he plays that special players have, Cole Perfetti, because when really special players get the puck, the way that they handle that puck and the way that they have it, it just seems like all eyes turn to those players and they, you kind of get sucked into that player and you forget what else is happening. You know, who's really, really good at that and has been for years. I mean, there's a lot of players, but I remember Eric Carlson has always been that kind of player that he gets the puck and then you just kind of get lulled into watching him and then all of a sudden he makes a pass and in retrospect the pass looks obvious and yet no one on the ice is expecting it so it's like this little bit of a hypnotism that these players are able to do and I think that we saw a little bit of that on the uh, Gus bus goal because Perfetti gets the puck and then all of a sudden it's on Gus's stick and it's in the back of the net and it looks obvious. He's skating into the spot where you want that puck to go. And yet something about the way Cole Perfetti operates is you don't see where the puck is going until he puts it there. And when he puts it there, it's obvious. Um, and I just think that we're seeing a little bit more of that. Uh, we saw another step forward in Cole Perfetti starting to feel like a little bit freed up. It does have me questioning, Ken, the idea that, that Cole Perfetti will ever make it as a centerman in the league. And the reason I say that is I just think it's really, really hard to hide the way that he does and the way that it seems to work best with his game. When you're at center, there's just too much of a focus. And we saw what the focus on Cole Perfetti looked like. It's It can be borderline abusive when other teams are going after you. Um, him playing in a situation where the people around him kind of create the screen, allow him to get lost in the weeds, I think is really what has him working at the, at the NHL level. Now, can he, can he start developing other parts of his game and get to that? Yes. Yes. I, I, I think he can, but at the same time, what he does right now, I think he could be a really good NHLer at it. If the people around him allow him to get lost. And I think Vladdy Nemestikov has done a really good job of doing that. You notice Nemestikov when he's on the ice, he's upsetting things. He's getting in the other team's face. And I think by him doing that, it really, really does put up the invisibility screen for Cole Perfetti. Yeah, I mean, he provides great insulation. That's kind of a word I've used a lot with Vladislav Nemestikov. And just with Perfetti, I would just say it's a little bit too early for me to make the same assessment, Sean. And I just think that he's still so young. And, and the biggest thing with Cole is that just the way that the back, you know, the shoulder and back injury 
I, I just kind of it, speaking of disruption, it disrupted his summer schedule for the basically the previous two summers. Uh, this summer he was finally able to train full on, but um, the summer before, really, in a year where he needed to you know add a half step, if you will. Um, he just couldn't, you know, sorry, it wasn't two summers in a row, but the summer previous, he just didn't have the same amount of time to be able to do that because the back in the back injury portion of the injuries he was dealing with in his rehab just prevented him from being on the ice until it was later in the summer. So I, I thought, I thought at the start of training camp, but I, I thought I definitely noticed a difference in the skating, but I mean, the pace is always going to be something that Cole is working at, but I mean, his superpower is his vision and ability to anticipate. So those are things that that's a skill that you can't teach. So uh, it can make up for some of that. And I do think that he'll continue to work extremely hard at, you know, I don't think he's ever going to be a burner like a Nikolai Ehlers, but I think he continued to work on his speed and his strength to a degree. And I, I do think that his ability to um, pass the puck and he explained it really well on the first day of, of media availability. When I, when I spoke to him, his ability to, to find players on, both of his flanks kind of opens up another level for his vision. Whereas if he's playing on the wall, you're kind of, it's less 3d and more kind of just real time passing. So even though he has great peripherals, but uh, I, I still do think it's a little bit too early to make that overall assessment that he could never be a center. I know you're not saying never, but no, I'm not uh, saying that, but I I'm, I'm saying he may I be better suited to be a winger. Is, I mean, that's, that's, that's what, what you're saying. saying. So that's I mean, I'm I'm, I'm, that I'm not going to dispute, but I'm going to say yeah. for me, I'd like to wait a little bit longer. And uh, I would say the, for me, I need the runway to be longer than three games in order to make that kind of an assessment. But I also understand uh, why they made the decision and, and, for me, it's more of a pause than a, than a cancellation of the experiment, basically, for me. Okay. Um, Ken, uh, I know that you got to get up early in the morning because you're on the road. I, I, I will say this quickly because I know people were asking You'll be on the road for it. the second game, Sean. Most yeah. importantly, you should you should let people know about that also. Yeah, well, we'll be able to touch on it. After. Oh, sorry, I'll, be yes. doing, I'll be doing the Hockey Night in Canada game out of Montreal when the Jets go to Montreal. And then I'll also be doing the Monday night game um, for the Blake Wheeler return game here in Winnipeg when they return. And I'll be doing the Tool concert on the Sunday sandwiched oh, in between that. So it's going to be a busy weekend. I would say. Uh, it's going to be a busy weekend for Rennie. Uh, people had asked about it. I did not see the Chipman sit down with um, with Darren Dreger. Uh, I, I don't know either, if you have. So I, I don't know. You, okay, clips, no. so so people that's were not. Why people we're think not, we're ignoring it, but that's we need. Yeah, we need to see no, the full not interview. Ignoring and we'll accept, We'll assess it on Thursday night after the game. Yeah, we'll we'll have to. Yeah, we'll dive into that. I mean, I know I saw Darren in the in the press box here tonight, and clearly it's it's been you know obvious over the years when the Jets like to handle certain news they like to do it through Darren Dreger so that's what we're seeing here uh, uh, tonight I haven't seen it yet we'll get on that and we'll have those conversations like I said we try to make sure that we are fully accessible for any topic uh, and I know it's an important topic to a lot of you uh, for probably for everyone because I've seen a lot of it in the chat room so we'll get to it we're not ducking it we just can't talk educated on it because we haven't seen it at this stage yeah and speaking of uh, you know issues I mean, happy to see, first of all, stick taps to Travis, Travis Dermott for using the pride tape in the game. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, we talked about it last week, I believe. So I think it's important that we follow up to say good to see that the NHL will allow players to uh, support various causes via the stick tape this year. It's unfortunate that it came to this, that this decision had to be made with a kind of a reversal, if you will. But uh, at least happy to see the allyship from Travis Dermott and glad that other players will follow suit as the year goes on here. Yeah, um, Travis Dermott, you know, standing ovation uh, for having the courage to step up there and do that. Uh, I do know I had said something uh, about the, when I saw this decision. I'd said congratulations to the players for winning the war on decency, and someone had said, what, players? It's just Travis Dermott. I, I would suggest, and I saw some comments from Kale McCarr uh, that came out today, and I don't know if he knew that it was going to be reversed or he made that comment before it was going to be reversed, but I, I w- I'll agree a hundredfold that Travis Dermott is the guy who put himself, you know, stood out in the middle of traffic and really exposed himself, especially because he's not the kind of player who has got an eight year contract and is making a certain amount of money. Like he's in a position where if something happened, he was, didn't make it out of the league. Like that's, that's, 
so so congratulations to him massive stick taps to him uh credit to the players behind the scenes who pushed back because i don't think it was just him i think more players were involved with this i said it on uh, uh twitter i didn't like the statement in that the statement doesn't talk about the reversal it just basically says that you know it doesn't acknowledge the decision it basically you can tell the nhl was forced into reversing this by the players so good on the players for doing that i thought it was a terrible idea uh in 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 the nhl i would like to see it is inclusion across the board um and that means you know anyone who feels like they're not welcome whether that's based on on uh, ethnicity, on sexual orientation, uh, on religion, anything like that. Uh, I The NHL I want to see is one where everyone is welcome. Uh, and I hope that we reflect that in our comments. I hope we reflect it in the way that we conduct ourselves both in our jobs and on the podcast here. I hope we reflect it to you in the way we treat you in the audience. Yeah, I know I like to yell at you all every once in a while. It's fun. Some of you seem to like it, so I continue doing it. Uh, But we uh, are all about inclusivity uh, and making sure that everyone feels like they are valued uh, because Kenny and Rennie do value you all each and every one of you thank you uh for the time that you spend and before we do go i want to say if you appreciate the conversations having happening in these spaces please please appreciate our sponsors who fight to keep the conversation going in this space for us that's vittorio rossi the johnston group pristine roofing cambrian credit union transcander brewing company the keg and sweet lou ferlin thank you to them and thank you to all of you for your time we can't wait until the next time we get to see you which will be after the winnipeg jets play the detroit red wings a surprising team ken it's going to be fun to see you there uh i won't see you there but i will see you in montreal maybe we can get some of that sweet Montreal food while we're at it as well. Uh, Great spending time with you, Ken. Great spending time with you all. We will see you after the uh, Detroit game. Bye-bye.